Greetings. Hello. This is Eric Sinrod at Dwayne Morris, joined, like always, by Jonathan Armstrong uh, at Corbury. And uh, we're bringing you your weekly Tech Walk 10. We're moving forward strongly here uh, in 2018. And, Jonathan, I understand uh, you want to talk today about an interesting case relating to uh, surveillance cameras. Yes, indeed. Yeah, thank you, Eric, and uh, thank you all for joining us. Yeah, I give credit to my colleague, Andre Bywater, who's done an analysis of this case, but I think it's pretty interesting. It's a Spanish case called uh, Lopez Rebalda, and it concerns uh, surveillance cameras at work, what we call CCTV. Now, on our website, this is about the most popular topic uh, that we ever write about. And there's clearly a lot of people are concerned about surveillance cameras. Now, this case concerns some thefts at a Spanish supermarket. And in 2009, the supermarket discovered irregularities in stock levels. And it thought there might be customer thefts or there might be employee thefts. And it, restore, uh, and it installed visible surveillance cameras. We call it CCTV over here. Uh, for the customers, and covert or hidden cameras for the employees. And they told the employees they were going to have visible cameras installed, but they didn't tell them about the covert uh, cameras. Now, uh, a number of workers were seen on these images uh, stealing things. They were called to meetings with their supervisors, and they admitted that they had stolen stuff from the store. The interviews were held with their union representative and a legal representative of the business. They were dismissed from their employment based on this covert video surveillance and witness statements saying that they had uh, stolen stuff. Now, Eric, can you guess what happened next? <laughs> I'm too old now to predict these types of things, Jonathan. Okay. okay. But, uh, so the applicants then, having been dismissed based on their admissions, brought cases for unfair dismissal before the Spanish Employment Tribunal, and mm -hmm. they said that the use of surveillance cameras had breached their right to privacy. And this case went to the Spanish Regional High Court, who said that the video surveillance was justified because there was suspicion of theft. Um, it then went up to the Spanish Constitutional Court, and the courts ended, uh, the cases ended up before the European uh, Court of Human Rights. And they have held in favor of the employees. They've said that their right to privacy was hmm. infringed, and they've awarded those people who admitted theft, admitted theft in the store, 4,000 euros each as damages. And they've said, basically, that the employer didn't give enough notice to the employees about the storage and processing of their data. And mm -hmm. they said that, um, that, that the surveillance was, was, was effectively too overreaching as a result. So um, uh, it, it's interesting to note that I think from a data protection point of view, 
of course, CCTV and surveillance cameras aren't uh, uh, impossible to install, but employers, those who own workplaces, will have to go through uh, some procedural steps before they install those systems. Now, under GDPR, this new law that's 99 days away now, um, employers uh, or data controllers, those who are operating the system, will have to do a data protection impact assessment. This is effectively a business case to work out why they're putting the system in and will include things like how they're going to tell employees that the system is operating. I think the ruling is fairly significant. Of course, GDPR opens up the possibility of higher fines if this DPIA isn't done for mm. CCTV. Uh, it opens up the possibility of a regulator ordering suspension of a system, which could be harmful. Let's say, for example, if you're the landlord and, and you've committed to uh, having security measures in place to tenants. And it also opens up the potential for civil actions, like in this case. We can expect the damages, however, to be significantly higher than the 4,000 euros here. But even 4,000 euros multiplied by the number of employees that you might have in a retail store, for example, is likely to lead to a substantial punishment. My, my, it seems to me, Eric, that I think most people on your side of the pond would regard a judgment like that as surprising that people who've effectively admitted to stealing at work can then get damages from the employer because of the way in which they've been caught effectively. Am I right, or do people in the U.S. expect decisions like this as well? Okay. Um, well, I had a couple of questions for you, but I think that's a good one for me. Um, not necessarily. There have been cases here in the United States where employees have been terminated, for example, um, and they then argued that they were wrongfully targeted, for example, because uh, – their communications, you know, for example, an employer might suspect that an employee might be behaving badly or might not be productive enough or whatnot, and then they might monitor that employee in certain ways, perhaps by monitoring their emails. Um, uh, but the question is how far do they go? Uh, for example, you know, do they monitor, you know, do they find a way to monitor personal emails on personal email systems that somehow can be intercepted while at the workplace and the employee wasn't given notice that the employer might be doing that. And so there's sort of a, the employee gets terminated and then they sue for having been, having had their privacy rights uh, infringed and had their privacy rights not infringed, been infringed, they wouldn't have been terminated in the first place. But generally speaking here, uh, you know, a smart, smart employer will hire a good law firm and a good attorney to, you know, create for them, you know, the proper, you know, business equipment policy uh, handbook that's given to the employees that spells out very clearly that then when the employee comes to work in the workplace here, they have absolutely no expectation of privacy. Uh, the employee then needs to um, read that and sign off and say they understood. And the employer should give quite a bit of detail in terms of how the monitoring of the employee will take place so there's fair notice. If there isn't, then there can be more of a problem. And then, so that leads me to my question back to you, and that is, in this particular case, even though these employees had admitted to some wrongdoing, you know, how much notice were they given in advance about uh, this type of camera surveillance? Uh, did they know? Um, I'm, I'm guessing 
Probably not, but you tell me. Yeah, I think that is one of the issues here, that the employer just hadn't been clear about the surveillance. So whilst they'd uh, been very clear about the visible cameras being in place, those mm-hmm. that were hidden hadn't been, uh, hadn't been notified to the staff committee that the business had in place. So yeah. I think it's all about the detail in the notice, uh, really, and that's um, the trip the employer up in the main, I think. And then I guess my next question is out of curiosity. I mean, I recognize that there were some damages awarded. They were not astronomical. But what ultimately happened in terms of the employees and, and the jobs that they had? Yeah, I don't think we know that as yet. Um, the tribunal um, uh, originally upheld their dismissals. As I say, this, uh, this appeals all, all the way up. But I'm not right. sure what, what happened to them in connection with their individual yeah. jobs. Um, and what happens in these cases is the court orders that they're re-employed, but they do a deal with the employee to avoid them coming back. Um, Just one minor point of interest for a U.S. audience, uh, Eric. There was one judge who dissented, and he cited a 19th century U.S. court ruling as a precedent, saying that uh, uh, effectively what we'd call in in U.K. equity, you have to come uh, to the court with clean hands so somebody can't profit from their own wrongdoing. And he said on that basis that the applicant shouldn't be able to recover but as I say, that was the dissenting judgment. Well, we keep reaching back. There wasn't long ago I was citing to a law review article from 1890. Yeah. But one, one thing I want to clarify, I do want to be clear that, you know, most of the time here the courts will uphold, you know, uh, the reasonable efforts of employers to monitor their employees in the workplace, especially when they've given quite a bit of, you know, detail and notice uh, in the, you know, the employee handbook and the business equipment policies provided. You know, where it gets sketchy is when it sort of goes over the edge. There was one case where one woman was terminated. She had been using um, a laptop provided by the employer when she was working there. But then, you know, during off hours, she logged into her own private, I think, Yahoo email account and was communicating with her attorney because she was concerned about employment practices. Um, And even in these emails going back and forth with her attorney, um, they were labeled attorney-client privilege communications on her private email account that happened to be used during uh, used while she was using the work laptop. When she was terminated, she had to turn the laptop back in, and as it turns out, the employer had, I'm not a tech expert in this way, but had created the ability to harvest out images of her private emails from her private email account with her attorney and use them to her disadvantage. And in that case, the court said, no, employer, that's just, you know, you've gone too far and you certainly didn't give notice that that could happen um, uh, in terms of that type of uh, harvesting of emails. And, and, of course, it was interesting because she was communicating with her own attorney because uh, she was worried she'd be fired. Um, okay. Well, we've probably reached the 10. This is a great topic, Jonathan. Before you go on, Eric, uh, it is somebody's birthday today, so we have to celebrate, don't we, in the particular Tech Law 10 traditional way, don't we, by... um... (laughs) 
What could be more? What could be more appropriate for Tech Law Ten than YouTube cats singing Happy Birthday to you, Eric? Oh, you are so thoughtful. Yes, it is my birthday. I appreciate that. You're very kind. Well, you'll have to let me know when it's your birthday, and I'll come up with something for you too. All right, folks. <laughs> this has been our weekly Tech Law Ten. Thank you for joining us for the ride. I'm Eric Sinrod at Dwayne Morris. You can find me at ejsinrod at dwaynemorris.com. Um, Please feel free to get, continue to give us ideas for future podcasts. You can find us on the usual social media outlets. Jonathan, why don't you bring it home? Yeah, uh, thanks very much. Uh, Jonathan.Armstrong at CordryCompliance.com. We'll post an article in the uh, TechLaw10 LinkedIn group on this uh, particular case. If anyone wants to read a bit more about it or download the judgment, they'd be welcome to. Thanks as ever for listening to Eric and I ramble on. Uh, We'll be back again in a week or so. All that remains is to thank you for listening. All right, cheers. Happy birthday.